Happy hump day, y'all. Here's what's coming up on NSN Daily. Another dive, another medal for Krista Palmer. The latest accomplishment from the Douglas High and Wolfpack greats. Our record and, and the success that we had really showed that. Less than a week from seeing their stellar season come to a close, Nevada softball's Tyra Clary is here to debrief a heck of a year. We have new details on the Wolfpack football team's future game at Ohio State. Just how many bucks will the Buckeyes throw Nevada's way? There was a clear tear break in those, in those two spots. And it is state tournament eve in high school baseball, softball, and more. Jay Ray Doctor is in the house to set the table. All that and more right now on NSN Daily. Well, hello, friends, and welcome into our Champion Chevrolet studio. He's Chris Murray. I'm Mike Stephenson, and this is a Wednesday installment of NSN Daily. Thrilled to have you with us as we do have a lot to get to. The rundown just barely covered it, but we will lead with Krista Palmer, the recent bronze medalist at the Olympics, adding another medal to her trophy case. Chris, over in West Virginia, competing for a national championship, and she claimed one. Yeah, this is actually her first competition since those 2020 Tokyo Olympics. She wow. competed in 2021. Um, they call it the 2020 Tokyo Olympics. That's right. when it was supposed to be held, but she actually had uh, arthroscopic surgery on her hip. She had a torn labrum, actually competed with it through the Olympics and was able to get that bronze medal, as you mentioned. So this is a third time she's won a national championship in the synchro. The first time in mixed, so her partner is actually only 19 years old, wow. Jack Ryan, a sophomore at Stanford, Krista Palmer, 30 years old, so a pretty wide age gap there, but they competed really, really well, 282.2 points, so they just narrowly edged second place by about four points, and this puts them in the World Championships. Later this summer in July will be held in Japan, so for Krista Palmer to be able to get back on that diving board and have the kind of success she had before that hip surgery has to be very reassuring because whenever you have a major surgery, you don't know how you're going to come back. She has two more competitions at the National Championships, both on Friday and then next week, uh, Monday and Wednesday will be the individual so a chance to rack up some more hardware but she knows for sure she's another national champion and gets to go to the world championships already with one medal and more to come of course she has her eyes set on 2024 and the paris games as she looks to defend that bronze medal in olympic diving shout out to krista continuing to excel out of chris's alma mater douglas high school and the university of nevada okay now we go to campus for some coaching news and this was something that we had early today and the university had to uh, respond to our inquiries because <laughs> we got word that the nevada ski team is looking for a new leader after one season being back in silver and blue mihaila kosi has decided she wants to go a different direction. Yeah, actually, we got to give a hat tip to Shannon Kelly of NSN. She actually noticed that Nevada had put a job posting for a head alpine ski coach on their website. Last Friday, that posting went out, so we reached out to Nevada, and they did say that Coach Kosi will be moving on. She will be more or less the interim head coach over the next couple of months as they find their next head coach. Uh, just a personal decision. She said she made the decision to kind of move on from coaching, but she was Sierra Nevada University's head coach for four years before that school was acquired by Nevada, became the Wolfpack's head coach last year. She began her uh, career as a collegiate athlete at SNU. So uh, definitely a long time in this.
this area. She was an All-American and a national champion skier and really is going to be on the, I guess, foundational setting of Nevada skiing, but won't see it through. I mean, you went out and did a feature on this program and spoke with Coach. Are you surprised that this change is coming, or did you kind of get an inkling that maybe she wasn't in it for the long haul because of personal, you know, reasons or, you know, wanted to maybe move on? With I actually career? am a little bit surprised because it felt like she had kind of established some roots up in northern Nevada, and she is out of Slovenia, and so a lot of things can happen, or maybe she needs to head back home. Uh, we don't know the details of exactly what is leading to her leaving the University of Nevada, but it felt like she was in it for the long haul. She had a bunch of athletes that she had recruited. They had started to announce some recent recruits that are coming in. They will now be led by a new head coach, but I can say she, we've had her in studio. She is just a great person and she was a, did a great job leading SNU's ski team to a lot of national prominence. Good first year for the Wolfpack as it looks to reach that same level in the Division I ranks. And it sounds like she'll be around to kind of make it a smooth yeah. transition for the next coach, but we certainly wish, wish Coach Kosi the best of luck moving forward. You can see full details uh, via Chris's story at NevadaSportsNet.com, including some quotes from Coach and Athletics Director Stephanie Remp. Going off of Chris Murray's reporting, we have more details as we had recently learned Nevada and Ohio State football are going to play in 2029 as the Wolfpack makes that trip to Columbus. Got to put in a public records request to find out some more details. The university getting back to us, and this is going to be a historic payday for the Wolfpack. Yeah, I mean, that's always the big question I have is how much money is Nevada going to get to probably take a beat down, but there's always <laughs> a financial element when you're putting your schedule together. So Nevada will get a school record $1.8 million when they play at Ohio State wow. September 1st. 2029 the school record for a one game payout actually coming this September when they play at USC 1.6 million dollars they have twice banked 1.5 million dollars the 2015 game against Texas A&M and then also last year's game against Iowa so that money keeps going up and up and up and obviously it's six seven years away so you're kind of projecting forward if the going rate for a game right now against a power five opponents about 1.4 million dollars Nevada looking to get 1.8 when they go play at the Horseshoe, more than 100,000 people capacity at Dang. that stadium, the fourth largest in college football. So that will be a great experience for the Nevada Wolfpack players. Obviously going to be a very difficult game, though, because you look at Ohio State. They've been a top 10 program in the nation, really, the last couple of decades. Won a recent national championship under Urban Meyer. Has routinely been in the college playoff uh, football playoffs. So it's going to be a great opportunity for Nevada. Probably the final score is not going to be all that pretty, but Nevada has stacked up these million-dollar games. Obviously, 1.6 to play at USC this year. The year after that, Minnesota. The year after that, Penn State. The year after that, UCLA. So they've got a bunch of big money games coming their way. And just to put that into perspective, how much money is $1.8 million? That's more than half of what Nevada gets from its television uh, revenue every year. And that's usually your biggest foundational piece in building your budget is that TV revenue. So a lot of money for Nevada to go out there and certainly one of the most historic stadiums in all of college football. So it should be a very fun game for Wolfpack fans who get to go out there. I think everyone last week when that was announced was like, oh my gosh, they're going to go play Ohio State. And then that yeah. next question was, how much money are the Buckeyes <laughs> going to pay the Wolfpack to do that? So all these players you see in Nevada spring game, of course, will not be around once that game arrives in 2029. We were talking before we came on air. This is the alma mater of President Brian Sandoval. Maybe yeah. he had a role in this. Uh, there's a lot of hands that go into setting up a game like this. Yeah, right? I mean, uh, I think that's probably a cool element of it. Obviously, Brian Sandoval got his undergraduate degree from the University of Nevada, got his law degree from Ohio State. So, um, you know, that'll probably be a storyline if Coach, uh, or not Coach, uh, University President Sandoval is still the University President. I think he will be, but you are six years it's away, so away. we will see. But yeah, I mean, there are a bunch of different ways you can land these games. It can obviously be a relationship with 
between head coaches. It can be a relationship with your athletic director or someone in your senior administration staff. It could be even your school president. And maybe Brian Sandoval knows somebody over at Ohio State, wants to pair these two teams together and give his team a chance to go out there and score historic wins. So that is kind of a cool storyline is President Sandoval does have two feet in both parties. Certainly he's going to be rooting for the Wolfpack, but he has <laughs> given me a little bit of gruff here and then, jokingly, if I don't have Ohio State quite high enough in my AP Top 25. So uh, that'll be a fun storyline heading into that game. In again, six plus <laughs> years. You had touched on it though. We have a list of Nevada's top 10 payouts in football history. And again, this Ohio State game stands at the top. You mentioned the upcoming game this September at USC, number two. Those are some pretty incredible opponents and some pretty awesome payouts for the Wolfpack. Yeah, so that's 10 games that Nevada has played or will play that will give them a million dollar payday. Obviously, some of those are in the future. Nevada has not won any of the games on that list. The closest they came was number six there at Northwestern, $1.3 million. That was actually Jane Norvell's first game right. as a head coach with the Wolfpack. Nevada led that game for the majority of the game and really a bad call on a fumble by Northwestern in their own territory kind of swung that game. So typically, the these lead to losses, but you know the only way you're going to win one of these big upsets is by playing a lot of these games, and uh, this is a huge part of Nevada's financial health. I mean, they need to go and play at least one of these games a year. You look at 2029, they're actually also going to Kansas that year, so they're going to have right. a Big Ten team, a Big 12 team. These numbers are just going to go up and up and up, and it shows you how much a school like Ohio State makes for a home football game when they can just give their opponent $1.8 million. So, um, you know, Nevada needs to play these games, and I think, you know, it's just really cool when you get to take your team to the Coliseum next year or the Horseshoe. They've got that game at Penn State 2025. Obviously, the Rose Bowl, Notre Dame on that one, Notre Dame Stadium, one of the most historic in college football as well. So great opportunities for Nevada to go play in some of the biggest and best stadiums in the country. Haven't reeled in a win yet. Yeah. Maybe that comes when they go to Ohio State. That's the thing. It could still happen, and that just gives fans something to be excited about because, as you said, it's always cool to see the silver and blue on those respective stages. And as you also pointed out, it shows there's levels to this in terms of the money <laughs> that can be dished out from some of these Power 5 conference schools. Nevada will take any of it that you can get, that's for dang sure. All right, so you can see more on the details of that Nevada-Ohio State game via Chris at NevadaSportsNet.com. Coming up next, J-Ray Doctor is in the house as we set the table for some state tournaments. But before we get to that, we'll send you to break with five questions from Nevada football's Louis Cresto. First question, if you could only watch one movie or show for the rest of your life, what would it be? Dumb and Dumber, without a doubt. Dumb and Dumber, wait, TV show or movie? Either. Movie, Dumb and Dumber, 100%. My favorite movie, hashtag. And what's your biggest pet peeve? Uh, it's got to be like when you're in the party chat in PlayStation and your buddy's like chugging a milk or something, you can hear like the, yeah, the gulping like in your headset. Yeah, that's got to be one of my top ones. Uh, do you believe in extraterrestrial life? I don't know. Maybe 10 years ago I would have said no, but I think I'm going to have to go with a yeah. Mm -hmm. I'd say yes. Okay. Would you rather read minds or move objects with your mind? Move objects with my mind for sure. Magneto, all the way. Mm -hmm. Would you rather have no nose or no ears? Oh, that's a good one. I'm gonna go no ears. I think I need a nose for sure. Definitely. Yeah. Welcome back to NSN Daily. Jay Ray, Doctor, joining the show on this state tournament eve. Looking forward to finishing out the high school season strong, both uh, up north and down south this week as we get a look at a bunch of brackets. We've got brackets coming your way, Joshua. Uh, let's go back to regional championship weekend, though. What were your biggest takeaways? 
Douglas's domination. I mean, well, and really Minogue's domination too. Yeah. They gave up one run on the baseball side, and Douglas gave up three runs on the softball side. I, I there, there was a clear tear break in those in those two squads. So, uh, Reed was maybe a little tired. They had to have the Carolyn Glover grand slam to beat Spanish right. Springs um, in the sixth, bottom of the sixth inning. So, might have been a little tired, but they were they came out firing first couple innings. They were uh, up three nothing, and then the Douglas bats just kept hitting. It was like. Home and second, Unreal. switch places. Home and second, switch places. It was it was pretty it was pretty awesome to watch. Um, you got to feel for Reed a little bit, but Douglas just showed that they are the the class of the North. So let's start our state tournament previews on the softball side with Douglas. They're looking to win their first uh, large class championship since 1992. So it's been a while. They've made it to the state championship three times since then, but not been able to get all the way and win the whole thing. Lost in the state championship game last year to Green Valley. So break down this bracket for us. I know you think Douglas is going to win the state tournament, but who else do you think is going to maybe challenge them? Yeah, so I think that their biggest uh, contender to challenge them will be Centennial. Centennial has a pretty even mix of seniors and juniors that will carry them kind of that senior leadership that they have. Uh, on the other side, Palo Verde, their first round opponent, actually has 12 sophomores and juniors out of 17 rostered players. Wow. So they are a little green, as you, would, as you would say. Douglas, I think just because they were, at it, they were at it last year and they feel like the job's not finished, I, I think that they are preparing themselves to go on a run. And I wouldn't be surprised if they had a couple 10-run games in, in this tournament. Wow, that's a bold statement. Of course, happy to not see Green Valley in there, that's for sure. Yeah, and I think that the, a part of them wanted to see Green Valley, truthfully, because they wanted to get that redemption. Lost twice to them last yeah, year. Yeah, on Championship Saturday, so kind of a tough go of it for them. But uh, I, wouldn't look, I wouldn't look beyond Palo Verde right now, because I know that you, know, you come up to Northern Nevada, you want to play a good game. And, uh, Reed's going to have their hands full with Centennial. They got the bats to do it. I mean, Carolyn Glover can just swing it like nobody's business. Yeah. And uh, that Brianna Stotts, the freshman, she stole home last week in the in the zone championship game, and it was on a ball that was only maybe 10 or 12 feet away from home plate. And she took off, and I was like, "There's no way she's gonna make it." And she was quick as lightning, just uh -huh. got there, got there in a blur. See if so, the Raiders can make some noise, yeah. perhaps. Aggressive let's, on the base paths. Well, let's talk a little 3A. Uh, you guys, your North Valley's Panthers, went out and won the regional championship, so they're gonna be going for their first state softball title, I guess. What are your thoughts on the 3A bracket and how uh, North Valley's and, and Lowry may fare? Well, how cool about the Panthers, first of all, right? Well, first of all, you know, Chris Chris <laughs> says that because he's a Douglas guy. We're North Valley's guys. So a little you bit guys, of love for... You guys can win a 3A. <laughs> we're going to a 5 A little bit of love. Um, you know, as far as North Valley's goes, I think it's awesome that they were able to go out and, and finally succeed and win that 3A state championship. Um, like Coach McCuskey had said last week, huge accomplishment because that program was a 4A contender back in the Sierra League playoffs consistently when the school first opened. Then they had a mid-2010s um, kind of downfall that did, they, that took a little while longer than expected. They went down to the 3A. Now they're they're winning games. In the 3A, the, the champion to me is going to come from Virgin Valley High School because they were they had Fernley last year on the ropes. They had him down 6-5 uh, to five going into the final inning. Fernley won two to win the, the state championship last year in Fernley on a, on a play that um, Star Schumann had gotten – Hallie Jackson from Virgin Valley out at the plate during that game to find to record that final out. So I think Virgin Valley is the uh, favorite as we look at it. Lowry, I mean, they lost ten nothing to him earlier in the season. So I, th I think Vir the the championship goes through Virgin Valley out there. But it's cool to see North Valley's have a chance to win a state championship. And of course, that'll go down in Mesquite. The 5A tournament will be up here north, uh, played over at Hickson Park. So we're looking forward to having some local action. As we look now at the 2A bracket, Battle Mountain and Persian County will be in town. We still got White Pine 
borderline local team mm -hmm. as Needles comes up from down south. Um, we'll, we're looking forward to seeing this thing as it gets started at 8 a.m. I know you'll be at Hickson Park. Yeah, so uh, I think Battle Mountain has the best chance to win. They've always uh, historically had a pretty good softball program at the 2A level, so look for them to, to be the North's best chance at winning the 2A state championship. So once again, 5A and 2A are up north. Got to give the 1As some love. Why not, right? That bracket will be going down down south. As you see, Prannigat Valley, I know, is a really strong program. Colville and Oasis Academy representing the north. Yeah, I'd be lying if I said I knew anything about the 1A. Hey, that's all right. <laughs> Just truth of the matter. We're excited to cover them. Needless to say, again, that'll be going down down south. <laughs> uh, baseball side, so obviously Bishop Minogue was dominant in the regional tournament, the Money Ranch, and the second state uh, tournament they've ever reached, also in 2015. But the team to beat is Bishop Gorman. That's the top 10 team in the nation. I know you have your full preview on our website, NevadaSportsNet.com, today. Do you think Minot can actually go out there and win this championship, or do you think that's too big of an ask? They have a chance. Yeah. They have a chance. They beat their first-round opponent, uh, Desert Oasis. They beat them 8-4 to four to start the season. Uh, it was their third game of the season. First victory of the season on March the 3rd down in Vegas. Um, Desert Oasis has went out and beaten uh, Bishop Gorman. They've played four times, and they won one against Bishop Gorman, one of, only, one of Gorman's only two losses that they had on the season. So if Minot can get past... Uh, Oasis, Desert Oasis tomorrow and get a chance to, to swing it against Gorman, I think they have a, a, a legitimate chance to, to make a run at it. Excited to see how that one shakes up as Damani gets the tough opener against those Gales. We'll see if the Mustangs can make a little noise. Of course, had beaten uh, Minogue twice during the regular mm -hmm. season. The Miners come back and clip them in, the, uh, in that regional tournament uh, as Minogue, it seems, is clicking at the right time. Yeah, and Dylan Rogers, um, at the beginning of the playoffs, he actually, his fastball is really hitting right now. He's up to 93 miles an hour um, shooting, having his fastball come wow. down. So it's, yeah, it's, uh, he's peaking at the right time, and he's going to be, I'm, I'm almost positive he's going to be the one to go for Damani Ranch against yeah. Gorman. That'd and he'll, a cool, cool story is he'll be able to play uh, against two of his future teammates at UNLV, Easton Shelton. Um, plays for Gorman, as does Gunnar Myro, plays at Gorman as well. So they're all signed to go to UNLV. Okay, cool story there. there. Okay, again, the 5A tournament will take place over at Piccoli Park on yep. the campus of Nevada, so that's exciting stuff to have it up north. Yep. Uh, 3A, so we've got Churchill County and South Tahoe. The local representative, South Tahoe, won the regional championship, beat Churchill County a couple of times to win regional. So uh, it seems like those two teams are pretty even. Break down this bracket for us. Uh, so, so to be honest with you, South Tahoe, really was a, a dominant team in the West. Them and North Valleys were really the two dominant teams in the West. And I don't remember the exact score, but I'm pretty sure they scored like 19 runs in both games, both championship and the IF championship mm. game. So, I mean, as you can see there, they got some big boys that can swing <laughs> it. And Churchill County's always got some country kids that can get after it as well. Hopefully that they, they have some good showings down there. I don't know a single thing about uh, Southern Nevada <laughs> 3A baseball, to be honest with you. Hey, we'll hope that that trophy comes back up north as that tournament will be played down south. We'll transition to the 2A bracket, which will be decided at Piccoli Park. So once again, it's the 5A and the 2A up north in both baseball and softball. Urington, the top seed out of the north. West Wendover making a heck of a trip across the state to come to Reno and potentially leave with a state championship. That'd be cool for the Wolverines. Hey, but it's all about Lyon County number one seed, Urington High School. Um, you know, they they have a good little sports community out in Urington. Yes, and I'm sure that the whole town will come into to Reno to watch those games. It's going to be really exciting for those kids. Uh, go Lions. 8.30 a.m., that first pitch to open things up tomorrow in the 2A state tournament. How about the 1As? Because, yes, they're playing too, J-Ray, Doctor. <laughs> Indian Springs, Wells, Smith Valley, and Paranagat Valley. We'll have to see what happens, but I know Paranagat Valley is a really a powerhouse 
in baseball. I remember them winning some recent state championships. So we'll have to just see how, see how that one shakes out down south. Let's go with the Smith Valley Bulldogs as the uh, prediction there. That's to, where the regional, to, they did host the regional and they to, got out of it. Yep, to win the championship. That's, my, right. that's my bold prediction right there. No school left untouched in this segment. Again, J-Ray Doctors 5A baseball preview can be found at NevadaSportsNet.com. Softball will be online tomorrow. Any final thoughts, Chris, for J-Ray? Are you guys got anything? I'm just looking forward to it. I mean, especially like these lower level schools going to play at Pacoli Park. Gotta That's got to be a great memory for yeah. the rest of their lives, certainly if they can celebrate a state championship. Um, but just from who's the most likely to win a state championship in the large class level this year, it seems like Douglas, obviously McQueen, boys track and field trying to defend their championship. But it seems like Douglas is primed to go out and do this thing. I think the brackets opened up for them, the way they've been playing, 22 straight wins. Uh, it's been more than 30 years since they won a state championship and I know you've got a couple of like details on that with coach John Glover and coach his Glover's wife. wife was a part of that team yeah. in 1992 which that was back-to-back -back years that you had mentioned uh, 91 and 92 so yeah last year would have been a heck of a story right 30 <laughs> years uh, to the day or to the date uh, to win it and they came up just short so you know that taste is still in their mouths I think their pitching coach actually is a member of one of their state championship teams as well I think he said after the game coach Glover you were standing there with me on Saturday yeah. I think he said it's the pitching coaches Daughter, uh, mother, mother, or daughter. Okay, mother yeah. was on the team. I think there's a lot of connections out there in Minden, and you know they're proud out yep. in the Carson Valley of yep. their sports. Of course, we got a, a Douglas grad right here, and so to <laughs> see them bring back that that championship part would be pretty cool to celebrate in Reno. He is J Ray Doctor again. Head to NevadaSportsNet.com to get ready for these state tournaments, and then we'll have highlights all week right here and on News Four. In the meantime, we're back right after this on NSN Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily, Mike and Chris with you on a Wednesday, talking a little college signings at local high schools. We were over at Bishop Minogue yesterday and shout out to a quartet of minor ladies putting pen to paper to play at the next level, including Mason Navarro, who's going to play D1 volleyball at Eastern Illinois. Her teammate at Minogue, Lola Hart, will also play volleyball at the Division III level for Laura's College. And then JC and Jordan Wynn, the twin lacrosse stars, are going to continue their careers at the Division II level playing for William Jewell Always nice to see these athletes go to the next level, and especially cool yesterday to see four ladies signing there in the chapel. Yeah, and uh, Mason will be playing uh, at a Division One school, Eastern Illinois. She's obviously uh, a very good basketball player, also very good in volleyball, so a two-sport star. Uh, I had to look up where a couple of these schools yeah, were. William Jewell is in Missouri. Laura's College is in Iowa, so best of luck for them as they move on to the next level whenever you're able to take your game to that next level. Regardless of the division, you've accomplished a ton, so congratulations to those four minors. Many congrats to them, and there was also a big signing yesterday over at Flips Gymnastics. Boy, they have pumped out a few <laughs> talented gymnasts over the years. Give it up for Mackenzie Kelly out of Reed High School, set to suit up for the Thunderbirds of Southern Utah, another D1 gymnast coming out of Northern Nevada. Always cool to see. Gymnastics is huge in the Beehive State as well. So if That's you're going right. to Utah, um, you're going to be getting some really good coaching. Obviously, their athletic director now, Doug Newth, the former athletic director at Nevada. You look at uh, Mackenzie Kelly's career. She's been a level 10 gymnast for the last three years. That's the highest level you can get to as a junior gymnast. So she is a super, super good athlete, also a great student, 4.0 GPA, volunteers at the Food Bank. So all around great uh, student athlete and she uh, practices five days a week, four hours per day. Oh so a gosh. lot of work, 
went into this moment and certainly has a lot of support there. Uh, a lot of younger gymnasts cool maybe looking up to one day potentially being able to do what Mackenzie Kelly is doing with uh, signing with the Division One program. Shout out to everyone at Flips for taking those photos and sending them over to us. That's really great with all the youth there because you know they all look up to Mackenzie. So shout out to Mackenzie as she heads to Southern Utah on a D1 gymnastics scholarship. Pretty cool. Going back to the Wind Twins and talking lacrosse, big game for them tonight is we have the Northern Championships going down in lacrosse. Minogue will take on Galena's gals. Uh, Galena, the defending state champions. That'll be at 6 o'clock at Damani. Then next up after that will be the guys. 8 o'clock there start Spanish Springs and Galena. We had Grizzlies head coach Justin Cutler on the show last week as well as one of his star players, Ava Wolfhorst. You can see that interview at NevadaSportsNet.com but Chris, we've seen lacrosse continue to grow in this community and some big games tonight for them. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it is a, a shame that the NIA has yet to recognize That's lacrosse true. as a you know actual sport at the high school level here. Certainly, uh, there have been a ton of players who have gone on to the D1 level. There's been a ton of success stories, and it is a growing sport. There are so many kids who you see out in our community on our fields playing lacrosse and wanting to play for their high schools. And I think one day, within maybe the next five, ten years, you will see it sanctioned by the NIAA. They've just not been able to get that designation yet. Doesn't mean that if they do win tonight, though, it's any less of an accomplishment. Right than any other regional title that was won last week. So Galena going for the sweep on the boys and the girls' side, and we'll see what happens tonight out there at the Money Ranch. Good luck to all squads involved again as lacrosse continues to grow in northern Nevada. Already pretty big in northern Nevada, golfing. There was a U.S. Open qualifier Monday over at Somerset, and there's a few notable local products advancing to the next stage, which would be a sectional qualifier. Give it up for Ali Osborne, Sam Harned, and Keita Okada, who is still currently on the Wolfpack golf team. Pretty cool stuff, though. Yeah, that's Sam right there. He actually had the top score. He shot a 6-under 65, wow. holed out for an eagle on a par 4. Um, there's Kieta. He finished in second place at 4-under 67. Ali Osborne, Bishop uh, Minogue grad, uh, played at SMU, now is a pro, 2-under 69. He came in third, so there were four total players out of the 84-person field that advanced to sectional qualifying, and that is the last round. Uh, if you finish top three or four at that sectional golf course, uh, there are about 10 sections in the United States. Then you get to play in the U.S. Open. That is something Ollie Osborne has done before. That's he right. was in the 2021 U.S. Open at Torrey Pines because he was runner-up at the 2022 U.S. Amateur. So of the five locals who are advancing to sectional qualifying, Ollie's the only one who's actually played in a U.S. Open. We had previously reported Ian Gilligan, Galena High graduate, currently playing at Long Beach, uh, won his qualifier, and then Grant Booth, former Nevada golfer, finished in the top four of his qualifier. So we're going to have five different players going out there hoping to get through sectional and playing the U.S. Open, which this year is being held in Los Angeles. So First time uh, fairly, club, yeah, fairly close to home. And um, that's the really great thing about the U.S. Open. You can literally be anywhere, come from anywhere, and potentially make it into a major championship. So those guys are two good rounds away from getting there. It is a one-day 36-hole grind when they get the sectional, so those will be coming up here in the next couple of weeks. Good luck to all of the above, and yeah, shout out to Ian for actually winning his local qualifier, which was pretty impressive stuff over there in Palm Desert. All right, coming up next here on NSN Daily, Tyra Clary is in the house talking a little Wolfpack softball. She had some big moments at the end of Nevada's season. She is owning up to them and looking ahead to the future. That's coming up next on NSN Daily. Welcome back to NSN Daily. We are in the Legends Bay Lounge, powered by Circa Sports, and joined by Tyra Clary out of Wolfpack Softball. Just finished her junior season in the circle, and what a, what a year it was for the whole squad. We're talking 17 wins last year. We're talking 31 wins this season. How can you explain such an improvement? 
You know, I think really this year the team just bought in. I mean, last year was obviously, you know, they all talk about it, the regrowing year, the, you know, getting together and kind of figuring out, okay, what are we going to do? Mm -hmm. New coach, new girls, you know, lots of things. And this year, I mean, Coach Garza really took it on, took it on to be her own program. And, and I think our record and, and the success that we had really showed that. What, in terms of, obviously you had a lot of talent and you guys, as you mentioned, kind of were growing together last year. What was it, though, about this squad that just, created such an improvement. You guys were a lot of fun to watch. You know, I think the biggest thing that we honed in on was family, you know, and, and that was something that we really wanted to value as a team is that this is so much more than a game. This is so much more than just a bunch of girls getting together, playing a sport that they love. Like this is a family. This is where you've decided to call home. And obviously I've gotten to call Reno home for quite a long time, but it was really important that that we got to show other girls coming from all over the country, you know, East Coast, West Coast, everywhere, that this was their family and this is where they belonged. And for you as a local product to be a part of such a resurgence for this program, to have 30 wins for the first time in over five years, what does it just mean for you as someone who grew up here? You know, I think uh, the biggest thing that Garza has told us is leaving the program better than when you found it. And obviously I'm not going anywhere and none of us are really going anywhere besides a few of our seniors that do have to graduate out. Um, is that leaving it better than we found it. You know, I've grown up a Wolfpack fan all through and through, football, softball, baseball, basketball, everything. So I think just getting to be a part of something so special and continuing to be a part of it is just awesome, so cool. Of course, you've name dropped your head coach, Linda Garza, a couple times now, and she came to town with a mission, and she's not used to having a losing record <laughs> like y'all did last year, and so you flipped the story this year. What is it just about your head coach that really motivates you guys? You know, she she really is just such a strong woman in every aspect. I mean, she's teaching us not only to be great ball players, but to also be great women in our community, being great, you know, in relationships with our families, with significant others. Like, she just constantly relates those things to life, and I think that 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 is why, that's really why we were so successful. I mean, she's able to connect every aspect, you know, a yellow ball to a relationship with someone that, that you would never think would yeah. connect, but she does a great job of just showing us that, hey, this all, this all connects, it's just life. And so I, I think she's just, she's a great leader for this program and for this university. Some incredible moments, uh, especially at home this year, and a handful of walk-offs, including a big one over UNLV, and we had a record crowd against San Diego State over at Hickson. What did it mean to just have those kind of atmospheres and to have the, the community behind you guys? You know, it's so funny because me and the girls will be sitting in the hotel rooms and, you know, so far away from home, and we're like, dang, we just want to be back at Hickson. <laughs> you know, Hickson is just, it's a special place. I mean, you have little girls coming in who look up to you, and then you have your super fans who have been there for years, like through everything, through the good times to the bad times and it's just such a special place to to have it be so close to to our hearts definitely like we love playing at Hickson we love the vibes we love the crowds we love just everything Nevada the community just showed out for us this year and and they better be ready for next year. That's all I gotta say. They gotta come out for us again next year. That's the thing you mentioned. I mean, essentially, almost everyone's back and the core of this team is certainly gonna return and we can look ahead uh, in a moment. But when we look at the end of this year, uh, you know, there was a bit of a skid going into that final home series against Colorado State. And I think some of us are wondering like, oh, is this team gonna kind of sputter out at the end of the year and maybe miss the Mountain West tournament? Sure enough, you guys really turned it around and were able to, you know, not let that series at New Mexico or the series at Fresno State kind of define your season. What was it about you guys that you never really could get knocked down too much, I guess? 
I think it definitely, like, like any year, like any, I guess you could call it the rebuilding year or whatever we want to call this year. Like any year, you're going to have some bumps in the road. Like, it's not going to be just smooth sailing, and we knew that. Even with our dominant season in the beginning, like, not that we were prepared for it, but we knew that, hey, it's not going to be this easy the whole time. And so I think that that just really made our team even step up more to the challenge and more to the adversity with our backs against the wall, and it really showed the character of this team because it's really easy to be doing great when everything's going great. Mm -hmm. But it's how do you respond? How do you react to when your back's up against the wall and it's like, hey, you got to win this game to get in the tournament? And I think that that showed even more of a character than having the big winning streak in the beginning of the year. It was like, no, our back's up we're against the wall, but we're going to that tournament. And that was the goal of the team the whole time. And you guys do make it to San Diego and the Mountain West Tournament. Of course, your season ended not even a full week ago, so I'm <laughs> sure you're still digesting it all. But I think a lot of us, we, we saw you guys go to San Diego as the sixth and final seed, and we thought, you know what? Uh, just leave it all out there and kind of see what happens. Maybe we wouldn't have been shocked if maybe CSU as the three seed bounced you guys in that first game. But sure enough, you guys put together a run and had yourselves right there with a chance to uh, make some serious noise. And of course, you were in the circle for the fateful moments and Nevada was a strike away from a win there against Boise State. Uh, as it stands now, how are you kind of digesting all that? You know, I think if you would ask me after the game, it probably wouldn't have been a great conversation. <laughs> but just looking through it all and, you know, looking at the, the hard work that this team has put in and the support, I mean, even after that big moment that maybe it didn't go my way necessarily, I still knew that my team had me 100%, and I still knew that my team wanted me in the circle in that moment. And that's something that I will never, ever be able to, like, repay them for. And even Garza said after the game, you know, like, you're still getting the ball, or even with the team, like, it was going to go one way or the other. And, and sometimes it's going to go your way, and it, sometimes it's not. And so I think that that's just going to push us even harder to work even more over the summer and this year because when we're in that big moment again, we're not letting anyone take it away from us. I and just, I know I will not. <laughs> I bet. I can certainly appreciate that perspective. Um, the tournament as a whole, it was the first time the Mountain West had had a tournament since 2006. Based on the softball that was played, I think it was a good idea to bring it back. How did you feel about it? The tournament was amazing. I think, you know, you have the regular season, but then you have those series against Fresno State and New Mexico that can really mess up your whole record. And I think the tournament is just a fair chance of like, all right, let's see who shows up, you know, through the hours and hours of work that we were putting in, the early mornings, the late nights, the film watching, everything. It's like, who's going to show up at the end of the year? And I loved the tournament and I know all the girls did and it was just a great vibe to be out there it was awesome yeah you guys put together a heck of a run and it was a lot of fun to watch you guys of course we had every game right here on Nevada Sportsnet so that was pretty special let's look ahead now when does the work begin for next season has it already yeah it has honestly I mean I think you know there's a couple of us that might take a week off just let your body recoup but I mean we are full force like buying into what to what the end goal is next year and that's winning those big games in the tournament and so I think as a team you know this team works hard I, I don't have any doubt in my mind that all 22 returners you know will go and work over the summer to be the best they can be because at the end of the day we're bringing in recruits we're bringing in there's going to be a lot of movement a lot of changing but we want to be on the field and we want to be holding the trophy at the end of next year is it kind of I mean it's, you got a while till we get there but is it kind of crazy <laughs> to think that next year is your senior season it is, I would say. I mean, I don't think it's really weird. I've been talking to some friends about it, like since it's been over. And like you said, it's been less than a week. But it's like, what do we do with our lives? Like, we don't know what to do. We're like, we don't have practice. It's been all softball. Yeah, yeah, I know. And so we're sitting there like just staring at each other. Like, should we go like play catch or something? You know, <laughs> so I think, you know, senior season, it'll be sweet. And I'm excited and I'm glad it's just I get to be a part of the pack for it. You've been a part of a ton of great teams. You won a state championship at Spanish Springs High School. Where does, uh, I wouldn't ask you to rank, I suppose, but just what will you remember most about the 22-23 Wolfpack? 
I think the biggest thing is just the way that this team was able to come together so seamlessly, really, and and just being able to love each other wholeheartedly, and not even, you know, there's some girls that I've known on this team less than a year, and I know that I will have them as forever friends, and I know that they feel the same, and we had a special group. I mean, after a year, you know, you wouldn't think that there would be tears at the end, you know, obviously from the loss, but I mean, we had a special, special team, and it's it's so amazing that that it's not goodbye forever for a lot of us, and we get to all see each other again right when we get back in, into it in August. Is it one of those things, like you mentioned, you get done with that game and you want to just get right back out there? Is it hard to oh, overcome yeah. that and realize, like, all right, our first game isn't for many months now? I think so. I think, you know, after that game against Boise, the first thing I wanted to do was, like, call up Boise and say, can we go, like, can we go finish this at a park somewhere in San Diego? And some of us were talking about that at dinner when Boise had got eliminated. We were like, let's call them up and, like, have a little bowling tournament or something. Like, because <laughs> like we were just, with them. yeah, we wanted to compete. But I think it just makes it so much sweeter, you know, to have that love, you know, the the way this team does to have that love for the game that we cannot wait to get back out there and get back to that tournament like I said and so I, I think it just makes it better because you don't want a team that's like oh thank god it's over you know but that's not <laughs> us we're like all right we get to take a break we get to get it back into it on our own and then we get right back into it in August that's good stuff but we cannot wait to watch you again <laughs> next season any final uh, parting words on this last season before we let you go I think just that this team was so special and that Garza, Coach D, Coach O, all of our, you know, equipment and, you know, Andressa with media, Kristen with training, Drew with our strength. I mean, they really bought into us. And, and I think that this team, and I know that I can speak on behalf of the team for this, that we will forever, ever, ever be grateful for this 2022-2023 family. All right. And congrats <laughs> to Andressa, your media contact yes. for earning her master's. Yes. She's right over here. <laughs> Way to go, Andressa. All right. She is Nevada softball's Tyra Clary debriefing the 2023 season. Tyra, thanks so much for the time. Thank you. All right, we're back after this on NSN Daily. The second pick will be made by the Charlotte Hornets. And that means that the number one pick in the 2023 NBA draft goes to the San Antonio Spurs. The excitement last night palpable at the NBA draft lottery as the ping pong balls go the way of the San Antonio Spurs who now have the opportunity to draft one. Victor Wembenyama out of France. It seems like that is absolutely what is going to happen. San Antonio gets the number one pick. Last time they had it, guy by the name of Tim Duncan came to them from Wake Forest. Yeah. Now, uh, fast forward a handful of years later, and it looks like they've got a nice seven-foot-something prize coming their way. Yeah, uh, time before they had it, David Robinson. That's so, great uh, They're very good with number one picks. Obviously, there were a number of teams tanking this year to try and get Big Vic. The Detroit Pistons actually had the worst record in the NBA, and they only got the fifth pick. So they're not feeling great about how things turned out, but certainly uh, that is a great organization that's had a lot of success, and Victor yeah. Wemanyata is the most highly touted prospect coming into the NBA draft since LeBron James. Now, we've heard a couple of big guys before. you got Zion Williamson had a lot of hype. Obviously, Ben Simmons had a lot of hype. Greg Oden had a lot of hype. None of those guys have really panned out, so you never know what you're going to get. But this is a seven foot to maybe seven five guy. He's very, very tall. My only concern is will he stay healthy? I yeah. think you look at the skill set, the defensive ability, the athleticism. He should have a ton of success in the NBA. But he's talking talked about if if he doesn't have an all-time Hall of Fame kind of career, he's probably going to be viewed as a disappointment. That's how much pressure he is, uh, has on his shoulders. Let's just hope he can stay healthy and can fulfill that potential. But certainly, San Antonio's really miserable and dreadful season paid off last night with getting the number one overall pick. That's the thing, and we've seen him because we're kind of joking. We've seen him listed anywhere between 7-1 to 7-5 depending <laughs> on where you where you search 
I just Googled it and I saw 7-2 pop up and so that's what I went with. But uh, <laughs> Wembenyama, I mean, they had him live on ESPN yesterday, 2.30 in the morning in France, moments after the first pick went to the Spurs. You could tell that is where he wanted the first pick to go, to the Spurs. Mm -hmm. And of course, they have a history of really strong French players, including Tony Parker, Boris Diaz, another guy who is beloved in, uh, in France. And so now Victor Wembenyama, as they basically talked about it as if it was a sure thing that he is going to be a San Antonio Spur. Our social guy, Jared Vasquez, I watched the lottery with him yesterday and two big fist pumps out of him because he knows that's a generational big talent Spurs that fan. you're getting. So yep. we'll see what happens with Vic on the Spurs. Let's talk about games that are actually taking place, though, in the NBA with some current players. Nuggets, Lakers, game one last night, Western Conference final. Boy, Denver came out strong at home as the shot clocks were malfunctioning. <laughs> we had some old school corner clocks. Denver led this by 18 at the half. L.A. rallied back to make it a three-point game in the fourth quarter, but that rally coming up just short as Denver holds on for the six-point win. Nikola Jokic, what can you say about him that hasn't already been said? Another triple-double. He had 19 points and 16 rebounds at halftime yesterday, Chris. Yeah, finished with 32 and 21, chipped in Ooh. an additional 14 assists. Just 14. The best player in the NBA right now doesn't defend all that well. Anthony Davis put 40 on him. There was not a lot of defense in this game overall until the Lakers in the fourth quarter. LeBron James had a chance to tie the game with a three-pointer about 40 seconds to go. They were unable to hit that one. That was a big shot at the end of the Ooh, third quarter but the Nuggets played better throughout the game and they deserve to win this one. Game two coming up tomorrow here is Jokic and LeBron sounding off afterward. It's a playoff I mean we need to be aggressive we need to win a game so uh, especially in front of pro home crowd especially because they, they won uh, two game ones so it was I think it's a being aggressive it's a normal uh, right now. It took us a half to get into the game and uh, that was pretty much the ball game right there. Uh, we got to understand that um, you know, we got to start from from the tip off, you know, and uh, they punched us in the mouth to start. You know, I think they had more offensive rebounds than we had total rebounds um, in the first half. And, uh, you know, that led to um, them getting second chance points. They also got on the fast break and killed us in the fast break in the first half, you know, and uh, it was 10 for 10 from the free throw line. So, you know, I know the game is won in 48 minutes, but they set the tone in 24 minutes and, you know, we was playing catch up for the, for the next 24. And now we await game one of the Eastern Conference Finals. It's coming up tonight. Miami and Boston. Caleb Martin and certainly had a strong series against the Knicks. This is a rematch of last year's Eastern Conference. Yeah, final. one of the best dunks of the playoffs right there. Jimmy Butler still nursing that ankle injury, so I think Caleb's going to have to step up big if those underdog heat are going to be able to knock off the Celtics. Get your popcorn ready. We're mm -hmm. wrapping a bow on this edition of NSN Daily right after this. Wrapping things up today with a little youth baseball in Jacksonville, Florida. And this is, uh, it's hard to hit a pitch in these conditions. A little <laughs> viral dust devil as seven-year-old Bauer is saved by a 17-year-old umpire, Aiden. Any moments like this in your little league? Uh, no, I've never had somebody blow off the field. My son almost <laughs> took my head off, actually, since I get the pitch in our league. And he uh, liner right back at me. I was very proud of him for almost knocking me down. Shout out to Dom getting some good contact <laughs> on it towards dad. We'll see you tomorrow on NSN Daily.